Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are so happy that you're here. It's another chapter. Well, a lot of chapters. Today, we do a whole book in a single day. We're doing the book of Deuteronomy, and it is the last of the five books of Moses, the section of the Bible that we call the Torah or um, the law. It's kind of in the Jewish tradition, it's the most sacred section of the Hebrew Bible. And it really is the foundation for the whole rest of mm. the Old Testament. It's just the heart and soul and kind of like every prophet and story after this will refer back to just this foundational, like the foundation of God's relationship with Israel, what his intentions are, what his goals are and everything is just set up right here. So we get to like the last book of, of this. And fair warning, she's going to cry. It's my end. favorite book. You guys, this is my favorite book of the whole Old Testament. I know I say that every time, but I've already been looking at it this morning and cried the whole morning, which I should have brought tissues, but we're all going to be fine. But this is the sweetest book. This is what I like to think. I did think this this morning, by the way, that I was like, when you texted and you said, I'm already crying. I was like, oh dear. I thought that last night that eight, 85% of earth doesn't even know the book of Deuteronomy exists. And you're just, oh my gosh. Like it's like, my favorite book. Yeah. Um, it just is so sweet. It's like Moses sits down with all the family of Israel. And he's just like, remember this and remember this. And, and he's going to give them counsel. And he just is going to walk them through everything that is in his heart at the very end. Mm. And, oh, it just... There are so many good lessons, like buckle up because you are going to have some of your most favorite Old Testament stories. We're going to go over them yeah. today. And it's cool because we already know it. Like everything in the book of Deuteronomy is sort of a repeat. It's a retelling of the story, but almost like in first person, like mm. it's just got this emotional appeal. It's like a, it's, there's something like he's emoting as he's telling yes. the story. It's like a recollection mm. at the end. You know how like memories are sometimes so much better than the actual experience? Yes, you know? and it you, like, feels have like it. that. Yeah, and it, there's something magic about the memory and you yeah. forgot all the bad parts kind of. Yes, it's like, just so good. kind of has that vibe. So it's a really, really um, sweet book. And so we're and so I excited to jump in. And I think we probably cover more than they do in the Come Follow Me manual, but you're not going to be sad about that because, oh, there's just so many things. Get out your marking pencil and make sure you mark them. So if you ever come back to this book, you're like, oh, I forgot. I love this book so much. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about summer. Yeah. We're going to talk about the summer because it's coming. All right. If you were with us for the Book of Mormon year, this will ring familiar to you. We have something that we did in the Book of Mormon year called the Summer of Heroes. Um, this is why Summertime is crazy life. It's so fun. It's so spontaneous. You stay up all night. Sometimes you forget all the rest of your things, you know? And so studying scripture together and, and kind of rem remembering that is super tough. So we wanted to make it, and, and this part of the Bible is like one of the most exciting parts. And so we wanted to highlight I feel like I'm yelling. I'm so, You're so excited. <laughs> excited about it right now. I just kind of looked back over the past 30 <laughs> seconds and I was like, Am I, are you, I, can you hear me? And, and, and wherever you are, far away. You yeah. Are, yeah. It really is going to be so good. And lest we overwhelm you, here is our goal. We, there's going to be 44 heroes that we are about to meet over the summer. They are going to be some of your favorite heroes in scripture. Some of you who are pregnant right now might name a kid. We might help you name a kid this summer. Yes, because there's the so many good people. And or so rename a kid. This is what our thought <laughs> I did. So this is what our thought is. That we're going to give you, our goal is to try and do five minutes per hero. That's what we're going to do. So if you want to listen to it five minutes in the morning or five minutes every night for scripture study, it would totally work for that. Or if you're someone who you do come follow me on Sundays, the whole lesson it will also work for that. But our And our minutes are like dog years a little bit. Sometimes we think it might be five minutes, but we really are going to try and just do like quick little like, here's who they are. Here's their awesome lesson. Yeah, here's and story. what you want to know. And you're going to be able to print off a packet. 
that is going to have every single hero that you need. And then you can cut these out if you want and um, just figure out how you want to hang them in your house. I'm doing this at my house and this is just going to sit on our kitchen table for the whole summer. And the, this is what it will look like at the end in case you're overwhelmed by 44 things. Okay, and then this is the one that I made and it looks like this. I thought it was fun in the summer to have all these like really rad ribbons on there and stuff like that. There were different colors. But then this morning I had a new idea and I was like, actually, I think what I'm gonna do is just hang a string and use clothespins and just put the people up. So you can just do whatever style you want, like match your house or whatever. But what we think is gonna be cool is you're gonna have this like hall of fame of like these faith heroes, a wall of fame, you know, where you just like yeah. see all these heroes get, you know, highlighted throughout the whole summer. And at the end, you'll just be like, those are my, my boys and my girls. These are my people, you know, yeah. like this is, this is my camp. We um, did this in the Book of Mormon year and we loved it. And one of the things we did was to create a bracelet that you could oh, wear yeah. for the whole summer that just reminded you what we were setting. It had a little code word on it. And it was so fun because you would sometimes run into people who had their bracelets on yeah, and it the was grocery awesome. store or whatever baseball game so yeah. we reached out to a cute friend of ours who does jewelry and said can you please come up with something that feels like the old testament is really inexpensive but last and isn't one of those plastic bands because we didn't want one of those i'm a little bit allergic to them so we have these fun bracelets that we are going to do if you're interested we'll put a link that have a little hebrew word we're not going to tell you until we get into it and if you want to just wear them, your whole family wants to wear them as a reminder of what we're studying. Could yeah. be fun. Or like all the youth in the ward, you can do something with this for youth conference or girls camp or something. We just wanted a small reminder that you're always taking with you throughout the entire summer just to remember. And you can't wait to learn what the word is. Yes. So. This is going to be so good. Okay. Let's do the timeline. And this is, um, uh, I lost my train of thought, but it must not have been very good. <laughs> so here's just the piece that goes on. It's another picture by Eva Timothy. This is Moses at the very, very end looking over the promised land. We'll end today's lesson with this moment, but you'll see, I mean, he's just going to kind of move through this, you know, this whole area of wandering. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt, then God set them free. And then they went to Sinai, entered into special covenant relationship with him. Then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now it's the end of the 40 years right here in spot 21. You're just going to cover up that Old Testament title. We feel fine about that. Yeah. And now this is the end of their journey. And they're just on the banks of the promised land. And mm. that's where the book of Deuteronomy happens. And I already just want to get so teary just looking at the <laughs> I told you, but I, I'm a prophet. Um, I've prophesied. This is so good. Um, this is, so we've just highlighted a couple, like, so this is, a, this is Moses's sermon or collection of sermons, right? It's sort of his recollection right there at the end of their 40 years. They're about to go into the promised land and he's just gathered all the people together on the um, never east, sorry, the east side of that Jordan River. Israel's on the west side, so we're like where the country of Jordan is today. And they're just at the Jordan River in that wilderness there, and they're, they're just about to cross. They're about to go into this place that they've been kind of looking forward to for a really long time. And they're 11 days away, it tells us, from being able to go in. That is how close they are. That's how long the journey would take. Um, I love at the um, top of my Deuteronomy, I wrote Moses's journal of remembrance. And then these words, remember, obey, beware, teach, and rejoice. And you'll see those right at the top of um, the journal, because that's kind of what this book is. It's, it's this moment where he remembers and he reminds them to obey and what they needed to be aware of. And he teaches one last time. And then there is this rejoicing as they are about to go into this promised land. And I love that part. So we are going to start in chapter two. And as we get into um, this chapter, they are just compassed about this mountain. And I found this story at a time. Sinai. Yeah. This yeah. is where they're. So he's going back. So the whole story starts at. Like his recollection time starts back when they're at the foot of Sinai before the 40 year journey. Okay. Sorry. Yes. And I love, as you look at this, we're going to listen to the story of the children of Israel, but I love to just think about my own life. As I go through each of these things of Moses, I just want to look at my life and think, am I in that place? And what do I need to learn from Moses about this place? 
Um, and it, it tells that we turned, we took our journey into the wilderness, he says, by the way of the Red Sea. And P.S., we have just these one-liners in the journal, and you'll see on the board. And it's cool that, like, if you said one of these lines to me, I would know exactly what you're talking yes. about. And they each have, like, a... This powerful yeah, something lesson to them. and story. And there's this really, really beautifully written, like, one-liners, sometimes half-liners, that you're just like, ah, oh, you can almost, like, from now on for the rest of your life repeat to yourself, mm. you know, yes. as encouragement to yourself. That's so good. And so this square says, you have compassed this mountain long enough. And that's the lesson we're about to learn. Um, so he tells them, uh, by way of the Red Sea, the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And they stayed there for a lot of days. And then in verse three, it says, you have compassed this mountain long enough, turn you northward. And I love the thought of this. If you look in the footnote for that word compass, it tells you you've gone around this mountain region or hill country. You, you've been in this place for long enough. And he's going to tell them it's time to actually move forward. And I think about in my own life, where are those mountains that I just have compassed them long enough? I have just sat in it and find, finally the Lord comes and he's like, it is time to move past this. It is time to move past this place. It's time to move forward. And he gives them some counsel as we go through this chapter. Um, the first thing he says is you're about to pass through this coast where the children of Esau are, and they're going to be afraid of you. And I love in verse five when he's like, meddle not with them. Mm. Like I gave them that place for their possession. That is not yours. And I don't want you to meddle in what is not yours. Once you make this decision to move forward, you've got to just move forward and don't meddle with that. And then I love in verse seven, and this is for me, one of those life scriptures. Deuteronomy 2, seven is a life scripture for me because a really important lesson gets taught here. It says, for the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee, and thou hast lacked nothing. And there's something important about this verse that I love because um, I love when he teaches him, the Lord doesn't just know that you've walked through the wilderness. He's not just in heaven looking down and he's like, are they still there? Yep, they're still there. They're just still compassing that mountain. That is what is happening. No, it tells us, these 40 years, the Lord has been with you. Like he actually walked the wilderness. He did the 40 years, just like you did the 40 years. And why? So you would lack nothing mm. during that time. And it's such a sweet reminder that the Lord will be with us where we are. And as we are, even in those stubborn 40 years of learning, he's like, I'll come walk with you. I'll do this part with you until you're finally at the point where then he can be like, okay, it's time to actually move forward now. And and, I, oh, good. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that I, it just made me think of, and I, I can't remember if I told that the story on here or not, but just when um, Jenny and I went to BYU Hawaii for school and we lived there right kind of at the beginning of our marriage and, and everything. And then we went back, what was it, like 10, 15 years later, and we were standing on the beach, you know, there was kind of one that we used to go to all the time and all my six kids were all playing and, and stuff like that. And my mother-in-law walked up and, and she's just like, can you, like when you were here all those years ago on this same beach, did you ever imagine that this is what your life mm -hmm. would be, you know? And it really was cool to like look back the 15 years and think to myself, like, because when we were there originally, we had no dollars, <laughs> no plans and no, and no kids. kids and no hope. <laughs> just kidding. Just, it was kind of like, we, we didn't know what we were doing and yeah. we were new and trying to figure things out and struggling through stuff. And, and then to sit there 15 years later and to look back in that same place and just to be like, hmm. to say that line yeah. to ourselves, like, oh, yeah. we, we, we really lacked nothing. Yeah. Like he was there the whole time, the, the whole, whole 15 time. years, the whole time he's been yeah, there. It's so good. And I love when he says to them in verse 13, now rise up, said I, and get you over. Like it really, this is time to move forward. And mm. I also love too, when he reminds them in verse 14, 
it's been 30 and eight years that you have been here, that, that we've been experiencing this, that kind of that look back over the 15 years. But thou art to pass through our, the coast of Moab this day. And mm. don't you love that what was 40 years in the making can actually in one day come to fruition? Yeah. And I love the thought of that. Um, and then he says in verse 24, rise ye up, take your journey. And um, how important in 27 that they will, they will go and they won't turn to the right or the left, but they will just go until they pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord gave us. And then I love this last, in verse 31, this thought that we will come back to again. Um, and the Lord said unto me, behold, I have begun to give the land to you. And there's something that is so neat about a new beginning, about this. You've seen all of this amazing work that has come. Also a lot of hard things, right? A lot yeah. of stubbornness, a lot of making the wrong choice. Like those 40 years were full of all those things. But I love when he's like, I have begun um, this new journey for you. And this is where you are going now. And Sometimes we just need those new beginnings. And that's yeah. what Deuteronomy 2 reminds me. There will be times in our life when the Lord will say, you have compassed this mountain long enough. Rise up and get you over. Like it, it is time to move forward. And maybe you'll look at your life and your story and think, what is the mountain I need to move past right now? And, and what's that actually going to look like as I read Deuteronomy 2? Oh, that's so awesome. Um, and I, you were just making me think of that verse in chapter one, verse eight, that says this, behold, I have set the land before you go in and possess the land that I promised to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like now I'm fulfilling the promise that I made all those years ago, mm. hundreds of years ago at this point. And he just says now, but I love that line that I've already said it there for you. Which when we get into this part right here, we we're like, I, what was the other verse where he says begin? Is it? Um, oh, it's oh, clear 20, at the end. I think. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh is there um, another one right here? Oh, no. 24 is what I was thinking where he says, rise up and take your journey yep. again. But what he tells him is, is this first in that chapter two, we're about to jump into chapter four, but I want you to see this first. He reminds them of the 40 years and all the things that they encountered that they were so scared of and didn't think they could do. And he tells them, that's going to happen again when you get in, you're going to begin to possess it. This is a new phase of life, but this is not happily ever after yet necessarily. Mm. There's just going to be, a, there's a new part and chapter of, of your journey. And he just reminds them and says in 36, do you remember there was not one city too strong for us? The Lord, our God delivered all of them. Like we have a track record with him that is a hundred percent right now. So I want you to remember that as you move into this new phase of your life, which is one of the things we love about chapter four. Yeah. So there is this, again, he comes back at the beginning of chapter four and says, go in and possess the land, which the Lord, your fathers, um, which the Lord, your God of your fathers giveth you. And I love that thought of like, claim your blessing. Yeah. That's almost yeah. if that's what he's saying there. Um, and then down in verse nine, he says, only take heed to thyself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons, right? And he just gives them this, and it's our word for the week this week, the Hebrew word, which is a word to remember. And we love that in the Hebrew, zakar could also be translated as to mark, like to mark a day, to mm. be recognized, to mention it, to be mindful, to recount, to record, to think on, to bring to remembrance. And there is that idea of being mindful about things that I'm really into right now, of both um, mindful of what God has done in the past, mindful of what he's doing in the present, and mindful in anticipation of what he's going to be doing for you in the future to let that kind of be the rhythm, you know, of your thoughts that I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. remember that. And he's like, and there's ways to remember it. Sit down, teach your sons, record it, teach your sons, sons. Don't stop, don't let 
the grandkids and the kids tell you we don't want to hear your stories anymore, <laughs> Grandpa. Like, like, tell them. Keep telling them because he wants you to remember. And then this verse in 10 is where we get the phrase where he says, especially the day. Especially mm. the day that you stood before the Lord when the Lord said, gather everyone and I will make them hear my words and they will revere. And I came and with fire and, and glory and power and, 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 and just, he was like, especially, especially that one day that was so sweet and so good when you felt my presence and you knew I was near and you, and you heard my words there that in our collection of memories, there will be these, especially the days, mm. you know, that just are those memories that kind of shine brighter than all the rest of them and get and encourage us still after so many years. It makes me think of a time in our life when Caleb was going to be called on his mission and he was going to open his call and he was so excited about it. And he had said to me um, the day before when we thought maybe the call was coming, I think it would be so fun to have hot dogs and I'm going to invite over a few of my friends. And I was like, okay. So I, I went to the store and bought some hot dogs and some buns that felt super easy. And the weather was supposed to be good. So I was like, we'll just go in the backyard. And then he texted and was like, I invited my whole seminary class. Is that fine? And I was like, okay. And then he invited the whole soccer team to come <laughs> over. And then he invited all the young men to come over. Plus my whole family, which is 42 people plus Greg's family. And all of a sudden we needed so many more hot dogs than I had anticipated <laughs> and square the feet. night before. <laughs> well, then the weather got bad. Oh. <laughs> so everyone had to come in our outside, house but, uh. and our house is not that big, everyone. And so you could barely walk through the family room and kitchen. And just as he was going to open up the call, I had that mom moment where I'm like, I should, I should take a picture of what is going on. And so I ran upstairs to get my camera. It was before they were like on our phone. So it wasn't just with me. I ran upstairs to get the camera. And as I came on that landing upstairs, I looked down truly, you cannot see a piece of furniture in my house. People were sitting all over the coffee table. They were sitting on the backs of the couches, on the couches. They were sitting on the floor. They were all on all the chairs at the table. I mean, there was like people everywhere. And as I stood up there, the spirit said, take a picture of this. And so I just held my camera up as high as I could. And I just took a picture of all of those people. I mean, there were so many people. And then Caleb opened up his mission call and he had been called to Croatia, uh, Croatian speaking, which I, when Greg said it, I was like, I've never even heard of Croatia. <laughs> like, where even is it? Is it on our planet? I don't even know. And turns out that there was only like 42 missionaries in that whole mission, which at that time encompassed seven countries, of which the mission president lived in one. And when Caleb went to the MTC, he was the only one in the MTC going to that mission. He flew there completely by himself. And when he served that mission, he served, I think, seven months in a country with one other companion and no mission president and no zone leaders and no one else, just two missionaries in an entire country by themselves. And right before Caleb left, I just had this feeling to put that picture in the front of his scriptures. And I just wrote on there, on the days when you feel alone, remember these are all the people who are praying for you. And I, I wrote this in here. I look back and remember, especially this day, when this many people gathered to cheer you on and to strengthen you and to be a part of this great work that is ahead of you. Um, on the hard days, look back, especially at this day. And I think God will do that for us. He will put in our lives these special days that we can go back and just cling to in the hard times. And I love that in that verse nine, where he says, don't forget the things that you've seen, almost like this mental memory of it. But then I love when he says, and don't let them depart from your heart either. Mm. Like let these days and these moments have full sway over your heart and your feelings as much as it is going to be, you know, over your, your memory. Um, we have a couple, um, talks that we'll link, but we want to share like some thoughts from them. 
Um, the first one is uh, from President Irene in, in this talk in October 2007 called Oh, Remember, Remember. And he talks about this experience of coming home one day. And there was his father-in-law who was holding like a bunch of pipes because he was working on pumping up water from a stream down below, like up to um, up to their house. And it was a project that he was doing for them. And they kind of spoke for a minute on the porch. And then, and then the grandpa went on with his work. And as he walked into the house, he said, I heard these words in my mind, not in my own voice. It said, I'm not giving you these experiences for yourself. Write them down. And so he says, I went inside and I didn't go to bed. And even though I was tired, I took out paper and I started to write. And as I did, I understood the message. I was supposed to record him for my children to read someday in the future, how I'd seen the hand of God blessing our family. Mm. And he just talks about how that became this pattern and rhythm of his life to do that and the impact that it had on to like to to encourage that spiritual memory of ours because we are prone to forget things. Mm. You know how like that's just like a, a phrase that we say all the time. It's like, oh man, I, I'm I sometimes open up my mission journals. And, um, and sometimes I'll just make one of the kids pick a random day, like say a day, like, and they'll pick their birthday or something like that. And I was like, here's what happened on that day. Let me read you mm -hmm. what happened. And so often there's lines in there where I'm like, I will never forget this. And I was like, that could have been Heber C. Kimball's journal for all I know. I do not remember writing that or having <laughs> yes. that experience, yes. but to enlarge our spiritual memories um, maybe particularly to give us encouragement for what we're about to walk into. Mm, I love that so much. And I love what Elder Rasband shared in April of 2008. He said, he, talking about these special experiences. And I think, I love when Moses was like, you remember when God spoke to you out of that mountain. That's what I want you to remember. And Elder Rasband says the same thing. He says, Brothers and sisters, think of the special experiences you have been blessed with in your life that have given you conviction and joy in your heart. Remember when you first knew that Joseph Smith was God's prophet of the restoration? Remember when you accepted Moroni's challenge and knew the Book of Mormon was indeed another testament of Jesus Christ? Remember when you received an answer to fervent prayer and realized that your Heavenly Father knows and loves you personally? As you contemplate such special experiences, don't they give you a sense of gratitude and resolve to go forward with renewed faith and determination? And I love the thought as you study Deuteronomy 4 of taking a minute to just remember, especially the days when God spoke to you and to your family and to write them down. It's such a good one. So then the next kind of section we want to highlight is sort of this um, almost a like another, uh, what do you say, another encouragement to actually do this. But then the way people have taken it and interpret it is actually really, really fun. So in Deuteronomy 6, there is this section of scripture called the Shema. And it's actually one of, it became a, a prayer that was given two times a day in Jewish tradition. And it's one of their um, most sacred and, and powerful um, prayers and sections of scripture, if you have any friends who are of, of the Jewish faith. Um, but this is the way it starts. It's called the Shema because that word Shema in, is the word for here in Hebrew. And so Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, that's the way it starts, is hear or listen. And, that and you'll word, find it in Deuteronomy 11 also. If it starts sounding familiar, you see it in both places. Yeah. It's, they want it twice. It's so good. Yeah. Um, he's like, in case someone only reads even chapters, I'll put it in six. <laughs> and in case they only read odd ones, I'm going to put it. Cause like some do have that style. Mm. Um, plus this church skips for chapter true. 11. So it's like, I it's better have it here. True. Um, but um. that word here, Shema, um, you can translate that word as listen. You can translate it as hear, but you can also translate it as obey. It is, the, it is a word that can be translated because it's not just like... It's almost like in, hearken. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that when we did the Doctrine and Covenants section one, when we talked about and we drew that, was it yeah. a Chinese symbol? Yeah. That just like with your eyes and ears and heart and that Intention. it's... Yeah, Intention. Yeah. 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 Intention is such a good word because um, the word implies like, oh... Listen with the intention of doing something about what it is that, that you hear. And then you'll see in a second when I read it, 
that the other main word in there is going to be love. That like the focus of kind of this Shema is those two words together, listen and love. And I got to read it how I, like I was thinking this last night, but it was late last night. So I don't even know if it's going to be good. <laughs> um, oh, okay. To that, this, I, it makes sense. Um, they won't listen without love. Like love becomes their motivation for why they're going to listen and obey. But you can't really call it love if you don't obey. Does that make sense? So they kind of like have this like um, synergy with each other that like love, love is and their, obedience. Yeah, love and yeah. obedience have a synergy with each other. Love is my motivation, but obedience is the way that I show my it's, love. Yeah, it's my response. Right. My response. To the love. Yeah. Right. To right. the love. And, yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, you'll see that that's going to be kind of a common theme throughout this. But these verses, he says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And this is where Jesus gets that when he's asked by the lawyer, um, what are the two great commandments? This is what he's quoting, the Shema, because he would have grown up hearing this twice a day. Mm. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And you'll talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk us by the way. And when thou liest down, when you're tucking your kids in and when you rise up the first thing in the morning and you'll bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swear unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not houses full of all good things, which you fillest not wells dig, which you diggest not vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Mm. And, and so this became just like this reminder, um, uh, uh, verse section of verses that centers of course, in love God with all of your heart, might, mind, and strength. Remember that you are inheriting blessings that you didn't dig or plant or anything. And in response to that love that's been shown to you, obey and fulfill that commission to be the children of Abraham, to, to show the character and nature of God to the rest of the world. Um, and I don't know if the Lord meant this or not. I, I, I'm not the boss of him. But when he says, bind them for a sign on thy hand and between the frontlets, between thine eyes, he could have been saying like, oh, make sure like all your actions, your hands and your eyes, like your mind, that it's there always. It's always in what you think and say and do. This is kind of the basis for it. But they actually took it literally and they bound this verse, this section of verses that they would write them, the Shema on a, on a paper and they rolled it up and they, you've seen pictures of this. We'll, we'll put some on the blog, you know, of like uh, phylacteries is what they're called in Greek. And, and they would wear them around around their heads and, and on their arms and on their arms like yep. scrolled down their arms and when it says and write them on the posts of thy houses this is where a mezuzah has come from if you've seen one of these before on outside just the door posts uh, i mean the door what do you call that frame the door frame <laughs> people should have door posts they could, you, you could know? call it that too okay right there um where they have this this verse rolled up inside like usually a little metal thing and so like every time you come into the house and every time you leave the house you're just always remembering. It's like when you're walking, when you're waking, when you're moving, every, you're always remembering. And lots of times this. they'll touch it on the way Oh yeah. Um, in their door. And we actually, I got one when we were in Israel and brought it home and I hung it up on my door and Greg walked in and noticed it on his way in. And he was like, you hung that crooked on the door <laughs> and you're actually supposed to. It's supposed to tilt in towards your house. And you guys, it was like, purposefully like it wasn't like I was a little a centimeter off, off. <laughs> it was like tilted as far as it could till it hit the jam and hanging as far to the edge as it could without going off like I had so carefully placed it on there that I was like you think I messed up that bad when I hung it but it's to remind you that God and his word is in that room that you're entering into and protecting your house. And I love the thought of that. When I read this and I think about keep these words in your heart and talk of them as you walk and in your home. And when you put your kids down to bed at night and the first thing, when you wake up, this is a good self-check for me that I'm always like, do I do that with his words? 
Is, is that my first inclination with his words is to have them always open and in front of my eyes and talking Sorry, to them to my again? kids. Sorry. Sorry, oh, Siri. She <laughs> really wants to have a time to say something. With me. Um, I just love that reminder of this one. So this, yeah. it's such a good one. And you might want to get a mezuzah. You can if you want. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to Deuteronomy 7. This is kind of a short one, but the um, lesson is so good in this one. Because he's going to talk to them about apostasy. He's going to talk to them about people falling away. And it's something that happened to the church back then, to the community of faith back then. It happens again in the New Testament. We are going to watch a falling away. And we see it in our time that this is just something that is common in God's church. And we don't know why it happens. But we are told that it will happen, that people will fall away, that they will turn away from God, from the traditions they've been raised with and, and from what they knew as they were growing up. And he says in verse four of chapter seven, they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. And he says this, if you don't want that to be you, this is what you have to do, he tells them. In verse five, um, you have to destroy those altars out of their life. You have to destroy the images of those false gods out of your life. You have to cut down the groves and burn any reminder of those false things. Like in order to get that apostasy out of you, it's, it has to be destroyed and broken down and burned. That's how you get rid of those things that are holding you back from relationship with God. And then he says to them in six, for you are a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are on the face of the earth. And then there's a line here that I say to myself all the time regularly. It's going to be in Deuteronomy 7, 7, because I think in our time, particularly, we see it, and I'm guessing it was a lot like this in that time, that people, a lot of people started leaving to the point that other people started questioning, well, wait, if everybody is leaving, should we stay? Because is there something I don't know about staying? Like, why is everybody leaving right now? And I love when he says this, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people or any other religion or any other um, way of faith. It tells him in verse seven, but you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath, which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house. Know therefore that the Lord, thy God he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And I love this thought that, that the people who will stay in the end are going to be the fewest. That's prophecy. That is what the Lord has been saying clear since the beginning of the Old Testament, that in the end, that group that stays loyal, that group that stays true and faithful to him will be few. And I just think to myself, every time I read that, I want to be one of those few. Even if everybody else is leaving around me, I want to be one of the few. I want the promise. I want the promise. Yeah. And it's not worth walking away. And when I read that, it makes me think too, you know, where you just say you're a holy people and, and you've chosen to be special people. It makes me think like, wait, why? Why would, why would you pick me? Like I, there is nothing about me that I would necessarily say holy. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it seems to be clear here where you're just like, no, 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 no. Holy means set apart. And you're set apart because I set you apart. Not because of the way you live. Yeah, you didn't earn this. Yeah. Uh, You know, we don't actually know why God chose certain people for certain things. Like, He doesn't make that clear. He does say why He didn't. And He says, I didn't do it because you were big or strong or great in number, had the majority share, because you're actually the fewest. 
you know, and maybe that's the very reason why, because it's like, because you're... Well, and I love the thought of this too, that anyone can be chosen. I had a friend ask me about that and she was like, how do you know if you're chosen? And I just think to myself, if you hear the whisper of God, then it's you. You are chosen yeah. and anyone can be chosen. And the beauty is anyone can be invited into God's family. Anyone well, and can that's, be. And I think like when you hear the word chosen or election, it sounds exclusive. Yes. But the, it's actually an inclusive one because you're like, wait, why did you choose those people? He's like, so that they would go invite everybody else. Like the whole idea of chosenness chosen. is inclusive. You were, mm. you were picked to pick people. Yes. Like, oh, that, I love that so much. That's what you were picked to do. Yep. So um, the next section of Deuteronomy, like one through 11 is sort of this reminder of where they've been and remember all these kind of things. Then it moves into like the laws again, like 12 through I think 26 is like a re repeat of almost of stuff you saw in Exodus and Leviticus, you know, not so much the journey stuff, but like the conditions of the covenant. You'll see the Ten Commandments repeated, all these things repeated. And there's just one section we want to jump into because um, we, we really like it. Uh, actually, as we're going into this, if you read all of Deuteronomy and you get to those those parts right there, there are a lot of like ways that they lived that might confuse you or feel like uh, barbaric, some of them, or they might feel like unnatural or wait, that doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. And I think a good w thing to remember as you read through um, the way God was teaching them to live, don't compare the way they lived to the way that we live today. They're very, very different in a lot of senses, yep. but you should compare the way God was having the Israelites live to the way that that other nations around them were living. If you're going to make any comparisons, make them with the other nations, not with us, because it's a it's, it's, it's so long ago yeah, and so different. Society and culture is so different. Right, now. right. So, but there is this one where he's talking about one of the laws that they're going to live in the promised land um, is are these ideas of forgiveness and rest and ways to take care of people who are foreigners who are coming in, ways to take care of people who've wronged you, ways to take care of people who are oppressed by life for whatever reason. That um, You will see uh, just the God's like care for the outcasts and, and the underdogs in these laws that, that he mm. gives. And one of them here is in chapter 15, which starts the chapter by telling everybody, Every seven years, we're going to have a, a, a forgiveness year. And we're going to either hold off debts, you know, mm -hmm. for that year to let people catch up, or you're going to forgive them in, entirely. That's what we're going to do every seven years. And as he's going through, he's talking about, because some people just get caught in the wheel of, I can't get ahead. I cannot yeah. quite make it. And so he institutes these laws where he's like, listen, it's almost like a, mm -hmm. it's a Sabbath. Because it's, you know, like, yes, we need you, people need a pause yep. and people need a rest, you know, but he says this starting in seven, if there be among you, a poor man of one of the brethren within any of the gates of the lamb, which the Lord had given to you, thou shalt not harden thy heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But verse eight, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. And it's just powerful that it's like mm -hmm. God says, remember, he's like, to be a kingdom of priests means priests represent me to the people. And in order for you to represent my heart and character to the people, it cannot be represented with a clenched fist. Uh, my heart is a hand open wide. And so this is a law and encouragement to the people of Israel to do good to others with a wide open hand. Mm, I love that part so much. And then we get down to um, this. There is another synergistic moment that I just love as you get into Deuteronomy 30 and um, verse, uh, let's start in 30 verse 19. And he talks about, I call heaven and earth to record this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing or cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And then in 20, he says that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life, he says. And oh, I love that. The sentence right after that and the length of your days that you will dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to give you. And I love that first thought of he is 
your life. He is your life, he tells them, and the length of your days. And then if you just go over to Deuteronomy 32 and 46 and 47, I love when he says this, and he said unto them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testified among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe and do, and all the words of this law, for it is not a vain thing because it is your life. And I just love the thought of that, of him um, saying to them at the end, just remember this, he is your life and the beauty of your life, the outcome of your life rests upon making his words your life. That's where your greatest blessing will come. And it reminds me of my one friend, Verda, who I loved so much. Um, she died when she was either 102 or 103. So she just lived a vibrant life. And there is a part in here where it tells you Moses was 120 and was not lacking in health and vigor. It wants you to know. And that is how my friend Verda was just that same way. She had these blue eyes that were just piercing and just filled with wisdom mm. and love. That is just how she was. And I remember one day she walked out of my house and I was walking her out to the car. Don't worry. She was not the driver. Her son came to pick her up, <laughs> who was 75 to take her home. And, um, she said to me, as she turned to get in the car, she just said to me, I love the Relief Society. And then she said, I built my home around it. I built my life around it. And I can remember walking back into my house and thinking, have I, have I done that? Have I built my home around the Relief Society? And have I built my life about it? And you think about the Relief Society, right? What is the motto? Charity never faileth. Is my home a place where love never fails? Uh, is it a refuge? Is it like, is my life witness unto the gospel that I have been given? And I love the thought of that and the blessing that will come, which comes in 28, which I love this blessing. Yeah. You, you, what happens at the end, right before they go in is Moses almost just sets this up as a really simple thing for everybody. And he actually takes six of the tribes and he says, you stand on this mountain and you say all the blessings that come from obedience. And you six, you stand over here and you're going to recite all the cursings that come. Um, curse is a word that kind of just means the natural outcomes of disobedience, right? And you're going to call them over here and people are going to kind of stand in between and just know that they have a choice to pick them. And he starts first in 28 by listing the blessings. And if you want the blessings to covenant Israel in like a really sweet section, this is it right here in 28. But he starts and says, if you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all his commandments, which he commands you this day, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come on you and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And then you just read and you just get this like feeling of being overtaken by the goodness of God, blessed shall thou be in the city and in the field. Blessed will be your the, your, the fruit of your body, your children, and the fruit of the, your, your ground, the fruit of the cattle and your sheep. Blessed are be, will be the baskets, your storehouses. When you come in, you will be blessed. When you go out, you will be blessed. Mm. When enemies rise up against you, you will come out and, and, and flee before them in seven ways. <laughs> right? The Lord shall command the blessings. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And the line there is that the blessings shall come and overtake you. And then he's going to repeat the opposites of that and just, and then just show like, listen, the, um, back in 30, I really loved this verse in 11 or ahead in 30 after he, he kind of lays that all out for everybody and just kind of says, God is your life. Like you can build your life around and enjoy companionship and relationship and his blessed presence. And he says this, this commandment, this is in 3011, which I command thee this day is not hidden from you. Neither is it far off. Mm. And I love that idea of like, this is really simple and this is really easy. And it's before any of you to claim. And let me just tell you, it's not very far mm. away from you. You do not have to go very far to claim these blessings. Well, because um, the Lord is not very far right, from you. Right. 
And so I just love that he's like, listen, this is the way you can eat. And the way he says it is you can choose blessings or cursings. You can choose life or you can choose death. But choose life, you know. Yeah. And, and, and choose no, him. And choose him. Right. He is your life. Choose him. Yeah. And I love, as you think about that right at the very beginning, when President Nelson asked us to gather all of the promises to covenant Israel, like if you want to feel like you've accomplished a lot of gathering, just start writing down Deuteronomy 28. There are so many promises to covenant Israel. But I love at the very beginning when it says that part that you talked about, that these blessings are going to come upon you and overtake you. I I need blessings like that. I just want <laughs> blessings that are going to come upon me and overtake me. I know. I'm kind of tired of my schedule overtaking me yes. and hard things overtaking yes. me and tiredness overtaking me and stress overtaking me. It's time for blessings to yes, overtake. I just love know? the thought of that. And um, it just is a, it's a reflection of what he's like, right? Where earlier he says, my, my hand is a hand that's open wide. My, I'll provide seven ways of escape. I'm a God mm-hmm. of abundance. There's enough for you and more. Yeah. There's enough for everyone and more. We're not going to run out. This, I'm, there's no stinginess that yeah. needs to happen here. And, so good. And I think at the end, as we get to the end, you see that too. Um, we're going to kind of link the beginning of Deuteronomy and the end of Deuteronomy well, and I together. Think as we go there, it's so fun before you dive into this, just to think of what Deuteronomy is and maybe what spurred it on. And I think it might be this because at the very beginning in two chapter two, remember when Moses, the Lord told Moses, you've been in this wilderness for long enough. It is time for you to move forward. He tells him in chapter two, and you are going to go over and you are going to grab that promise. And then in chapter three, he's going to say to Moses, but you can't go. And it's almost as if right then Moses is like, I just got to look back at this journey. And so we start in four and we get this look backwards and we get like these final words and this counsel and his testimony of who God is, because then it comes back to this same conversation at the end, but I love when you start at the beginning and then yeah. you watch it come full circle at the end. This is where it starts in the beginning. In chapter three, he's just kind of remembering this time. And he says, I besought the Lord at that time. And I said, this is verse 23, if I didn't say that. Oh, Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness. Mm-hmm. At 120. Who right. loves that he's just begun? Yeah. Look at me. I'm a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part. Yeah. I love it. You've, you've just begun to show me your greatness and your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. And then he says this, I pray thee, I beg thee, let me go over. This is Moses talking. Let me see the good land that's beyond Jordan and the goodly mountain. And then he says, remember the Lord was upset with me for your sakes (laughs) and he wouldn't let hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Um, because the answer is no. Like he'd said to him, you, you're you not going to go into the promised Clear land. Clear back when Caleb and Joshua came over and the 10 men with the, with the false report, remember? And he was like, everyone will die except for Caleb and Joshua. And then you will go in. And this is going to be the end of Moses's life. He's going to die now. Yeah. And you love that he just pleads like we all do in those moments. Yeah. Just, and he just, just please, can I just can go change, in can and you change your mind and you know? see the goodly land? Yeah. I just really, really run it, want to go in. But then the Lord says, no. He says, oh, my, my answer is still no. But then he says, but 27, get you up to the top of Pisgah the mountain that's just right there over and lift your eyes up westward and northward and south and east and behold it um, with your eyes. You won't go over the Jordan. And, and I love that there is this moment where Moses still asks for something and the Lord says, no, comma, but dot, 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 right? No, the answer is no. And I have my purposes and reasons, but I will let you go up and see it. And and he goes up and he has this moment where he just looks and sees it. And I love the idea about God that is like, just because he says no to something doesn't mean he stopped moving or working. Yes. And just because he's stopped one thing or not allowed one thing doesn't mean that he's not going to allow other things. And I just think that's another 
expression of what his heart's like. Mm, it's so good. Um, I wrote about this a little one time after I was reading Deuteronomy. Oh, and did you show where to put that? No, picture? but I will. I will when oh, we get okay. there because okay. we're going to go there still. Um, and if, if you have the devotional book, this is going to be in the numbers chapter because numbers and Deuteronomy are really the same. They have a lot of the same thing going on at the same time. Same Well, Deuteronomy remind, is a retelling of what uh, happened, what in, happened numbers. in numbers. Yeah. So you're, you see a lot of similar things happening. And um, there is this moment when the Lord tells Moses he can see the land. We, David and I read this book to you out loud. We each take different chapters. And when I went in to do my reading, this was one of my oh, chapters. Oh, you mean the audio version the of the audio book? Version I was like, when book. am I doing that? I have missed my... You did it already. <laughs> if you go on, not Audible, if you go on Bookshelf, yeah, it does your book. book. Yeah. We read it out loud to you. And this was my chapter. And you guys, I could not get through this chapter. I'm sure the recording engineer was like, what is happening right now um, to her? But I just, these are the thoughts I think about every time I get to the end of Deuteronomy. And I just, I want to share them with you. I'm going to do my best to be brave all the way through. Um, but I say this, I have become attached to Moses. The book of Numbers has given me a great love and admiration for a man I knew very little about before I read the entire Old Testament. Saying farewell is tugging at my heartstrings. This part of the story is hard to take in. It is hard to fathom why Moses isn't the prophet who leads Israel into the promised land. Our hearts wonder if it is fair. We might argue that he earned the right. But from Moses, we learn an important lesson. God's will for us is good, always. We must trust that principle even when we don't understand it. Often, the perfect end that we conceive in our hearts falls short of the great thing, the greater thing the Lord has in store for us. From Moses, we learn that sometimes the Lord prepares a different ending from what we had envisioned, but it is always the right ending. In Numbers 27, 12 through 19, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mount and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And then when you have seen it, you also will be gathered unto thy people. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord set a man over the congregation, which will go out before them, and which may bring them in. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take you Joshua, and give him charge in that sight. It is touching to see how meekly Moses receives the sentence from the Lord. Faithful to the end over his people, his chief concern was that God would appoint a new leader to guide the children of Israel. Once he knew the people would be cared for, his thoughts shifted to the pain of not being with them as they entered the promised land. In Moses' weakness, we see so clearly a hint of our own. Moses longed to share what was before Israel. Of course, he wanted to have part in the conquest and the rest that would follow in the promised land. He had believed in it. He had preached it. He had prayed for it. He had labored, born, and fought for it. And now within reach and view of it, must he lay himself down to die. Scripture records with touching detail what passed between Moses and the Lord. O Lord, thou God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Two phrases within that verse stand out to me. Thou hast begun and let it suffice thee. First, we learn that Moses had just begun to see the greatness of the Lord. In 120 years, at the very end of his life, he had just begun. There is a great lesson there. And second, I love the words, let it suffice thee. As if the Lord was saying, this is enough. Find joy in this much and then trust me. Moses would not lead the people into the promised land, but he would have the privilege of seeing it. And then he would have to trust the will of the Lord that it was good. And then Alfred Adersheim says this, Thus, amid the respectful silence of a mourning people, Moses set out alone upon, upon his last journey, all the way up to the highest top of Pisgah, the eyes of the people must have followed him. They could watch him as he stood there in the sunset, taking his full view of the land, there to see for himself 
how true and faithful Jehovah had been. When we think of Moses, we must remember he did stand on the goodly mountain within the promised land. And we must also remember that there on the top of Pisgah, God prepared something better for Moses than even entrance into the land. And then arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And I just love this thought of Moses and this winding up of this great journey that took place. I love um, in Deuteronomy 31, the Lord says to Moses in verse 14, the days are approaching that you will die. So call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him a charge. And so they go together. And I love the, um, that he gives this charge to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage in Deuteronomy 31, 23. For thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And I think it's so interesting to think about Moses's job was the wandering in the mm. wilderness. Mm. That was what Moses was called for was that moment. And that's what he was prepared for. Yeah. And I love that he does get to go up Mount Pisgah and he just stands right there within the promised land and he gets to see the fruition of his fight. But that Joshua has been prepared and called for the next part of the journey. And that's how it is as, as the Lord moves his church forward. And I love when we get to 34. And if you're doing the tip-ins, um, we put this uh, Pisgah moment right here in Deuteronomy 34. I just, I love him just standing there in that sunset. And let's um, just quickly say this. If you are doing these tip-ins, these are so fun and they, they've been so fun for us as we've started putting them into this place. And if you want these, we actually stop providing all of our tools around mid or beginning of summer. So if the tip-ins are something you want, dive into the tip-ins. But I love this tip-in um, particularly because it says, and there arose not a prophet in Israel since like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. And I just love this moment. It takes place in Deuteronomy 34. It says, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah and the Lord showed him all the land. And don't you just love that moment thinking of Moses just right up there and the Lord with him. And he's like, look, and some of the people will live there and some of the people will live there. And like everything you've worked toward, there it is. Just look out over it. And mm. I love when the Lord says to him in verse four, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob saying, I will give it to your seed. And he says to Moses, I have caused you to see it with your own eyes, he tells him, but you will not go up hither. And after Moses dies um, in that moment, then in verse eight, it tells us the children of Israel wept for Moses for 30 days. That's how great their mourning for Moses was. And Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And then in verse 10, that scripture that I just love. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders, which the Lord did. And in all the mighty hand and all the great terror, which Moses showed in the sight of all of Israel. It's just such a sweet book. Yeah. And it just is like, I feel like in our lives so far, there's been moments where we've had almost like a, a mini version of this, where you've looked back like on the beach 15 yeah. years back and how sweet that was. But only people who get to the end of the journey can really relate to what this moment is like for yeah. him. And I, and I just think when I was reading it last night, just thinking, I feel like he walked up to the top of the mountain and maybe said some of these phrases, mm. you know, to him, to, to himself, you know, it's like having his own memories and, and man, remember <laughs> almost like, remember when this happened? Yes. And remember when, 
you know, so-and-so and remember, and we, we buried people along the way and we saw miracles along the way. We just, it's like just those moments through. when you gather after a funeral and you laugh yeah. at the things that were funny and you remember the counsel that was given and you think of all those good and sweet parts. And, and for him to stand up there and think when I was 10 years old, I never imagined mm. that my life was going to turn yeah. out like this. And, and, and for him to just say like, oh, let it suffice. But when I read it, I thought, oh, I think also he maybe said as he stood up on that mountain, like, ah, we did it. Yes. You know? Yes. We did it. You know, we, mm-hmm. uh, you were my life and, uh, and we did it. We, yeah. you know, we got him here. Yeah. So, oh, it's such a good so one. Cool. Deuteronomy, such a good book. I've never teared up about Deuteronomy before <laughs> until you. <laughs> and I can never make it through. Never. I never make it through. <laughs> it's true. So. Okay. Next week's Joshua. The story continues. And it's so, yep. so, so cool. Good. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.